Welcome back to the Men's Divorce and Cordell Cordell podcast. I'm Scott Trout, CEO and managing partner of Cordell and Cordell. Here we are, uh, week 39 during COVID-19. Uh, and every week we talk about it, it, it becomes uh, an interesting number as we move forward. But we want to continue to bring you information and some talking points, some educational tools, uh, as we do for guys before, during, and after divorce. And this segment is no different. We do it twice each week. But also check out Cordell Cordell. We're going to look for virtual town halls coming up. If you haven't attended one, please schedule that. Yeah, you'll get a chance to log on for an hour, ask questions live of our Cordell and Cordell attorneys and get answers right then and right there. Otherwise, you can check out all of our information loaded on our YouTube page, uh, which is Cordell Cordell. Check us out on social media as well, or come right back here uh, twice each week or do this podcast with a Cordell and Cordell attorney. And today is no different. Uh, we're joined by Kumita from our Baltimore office. Welcome. Good afternoon, Scott. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks. I know we want to talk about it. And, you know, I always say this, I think we've run out of topics, but we haven't. And this is one we haven't talked about, which is great. And that is um, hiring an attorney during divorce and, and whether or not it actually saves you money. You know, there was a, before we get into it, uh, gosh, back in 2006, I was interviewed by the Wall Street Journal and it was during the recession and kind of the difficult period. And they said, uh, your guys can't afford to hire you. And I said, no, they can't afford not to. And I think that's pretty much on point with what you want to talk about. And that is how it can save you money by actually spending money with a lawyer. Uh, but I guess the question becomes first and foremost, why is it then when you see it, why do people not hire an attorney for their divorce? Definitely finances has been the biggest issue. And it's, it's unfortunate because I have seen since, you know, the last most recent months getting a lot of clients a month before trial. And I, you know, I'm sure COVID puts a lot of financial constraints on people um, and with a lot of divorce attorneys being hourly, they don't know how much it's going to add up. They're not sure if it's worth the money because maybe they think that they've agreed with everything with their ex or, you know, they've used the court forms, court self-help. They think they've got it down. Uh, but in reality, there's a lot of harsh consequences if you don't get a lawyer from the get-go. And it really, in the end, does actually save you money to have a lawyer from the beginning of divorce. Yeah, I, I, I know I've, you have too. You've seen people come in too late and it's cost them more. Uh, something's happened, a court order has been entered, you didn't comply with certain orders, you didn't do the things you need to do, and it actually, in the, in the end, it does cost more. I know it's hard pill to swallow for, for guys that are looking at putting some money down, 1,800 bucks or 2,500 bucks, and then moving forward, but I, I do agree. I mean, it's part of the partnership and understanding, you know, we don't know what it's gonna cost in the end. You, know, you have some ideas on where we can go along the way um, in, in terms of controlling some costs and being, uh, transparent about what things are going to do, but maybe talk about how, as we talk about the idea of, you know, costing them money, how does it hurt a guy, particularly if they don't choose to hire somebody right away? So right away, I mean, if we go through what first happens, usually you get served with a divorce complaint. Um, and that gives you X amount of days to file what's called an answer with the court. Some people just don't think they have to take it seriously. They don't file an answer at all. And what happens in that case is something called an order of default can be entered against you, which essentially allows the case to move on without you. Um, and you also may not be able to participate in the hearing itself um, unless you're able to show good cause. An attorney might not be able to get you out of that if it's gone too late. The default thing is huge. I, I'm actually dealing one with now where the other side hasn't responded. Uh, they think they're engaging and trying to move things along and they're pro se. 
and they just don't get it. They're held to the same standard as a lawyer. And that's one thing that they have to understand very clearly is that from a judge's perspective, whatever the laws are, whatever the rules of evidence, the rules of civil procedure, the Supreme Court rules, the statutes, you have to know it all and you have to comply with it. And absent that, uh, the default is a, and it's kind of the, the nuclear option where they just proceed without you and whatever they ask for, they're in large part gonna get, right? Right. I mean, and even if you do file an answer, um, you still need to, you still have things you need to file. If, for instance, a counter complaint is a common one that people forget to file when they're representing themselves. And that is asking for what you want out of the divorce, which depending on where you are, some judges may not allow you to ask for that come trial day when you haven't filed one. Same thing if the other side has been filing in the case and you haven't filed any sort of response, you know, that may look bad to a judge. That may look like you don't care. That may look like you're agreeing to everything they're saying. So it really is a problem if there are things being filed and you're not appropriately responding to it. And you're not, you're not even aware of what rights you have in terms of what you should be filing. So, you know, in the default, guys are, are listening now and they're thinking, well, you know what, I may be one of those. Here in Missouri, it's 30 days. You have 30 days from the date that you were served. And sometimes it's 27, 28, 20. It's all over the board. But it's not too late, right? I mean, there are some provisions for default. There's a way that in Missouri, for example, the, the, the Court of Appeals say that, you know, relief from default shall be liberally granted. Uh, so if, if there's a guy listening right now, obviously, there's a way to get from underneath the default potentially, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, there are ways for sure. Um, just in case, and you know, veering on the side of caution, especially, you don't want to wait too long. If, especially if you see something in the mail and it's an order of default or something along those yeah. lines, sure, you should definitely call a lawyer right away. We take more good care of our car by making sure that we're getting the oil change within the exact number of mileage that's, you know, recommended than we do, for example, everything that's more important. It's all your things, your kids, your money, your retirement, your property. Uh, we spend more time at the IRS preparing for our taxes than we do following guidelines on this divorce. And don't be lulled. I mean, that's, I think, the biggest thing is don't be lulled into a sense of security. If your wife is telling you, yeah, it's all good. We're going to work this out. When, in fact, you're late. You haven't filed your answer. Uh, I mean, it could be fraud. It could be. But the point is, is don't be lulled in a sense of security that, that everything will work out. Just take action. For some dads out there, the coronavirus pandemic has become a pretext to limit access to their children. Other dads have been pushed out of key decisions affecting their children's lives. If you're one of those dads, Cordell & Cordell is here for you, as always, but with expanded services. We can meet you in person or by video conference on weekdays, evenings, or weekends. Our goal is to step up our service to meet your needs now. Discovery, that's a big thing, right? That can hurt them if they don't uh, answer appropriately or take advantage of it, right? Yeah, discovery is really one of the biggest parts of your case. And um, just so everyone knows, discovery is really exchanging evidence. And the common forms of them, one is requesting documents from the other side, and they are, they're mandatory disclosures, and also asking for statements under oath. Um, common one is interrogatories, which are questions they have to answer. Um, those are things I always rely on in preparing my cases for litigation. So, for example, in Missouri, there's a thing that's commonly sent with the pleadings and discovery. And some states don't allow discovery until certain periods. But Missouri can fire it right off, a request for admissions. 
And if you don't answer those, the questions, for example, I could say, do you agree that you committed marital infidelity? And if you don't answer, it's answered deemed in the affirmative. And unlikely you're ever going to get from underneath that. And it's all kinds of issues. Do you agree that, you know, mother should have sole physical custody? You don't answer it, it's admitted. That stuff comes right into evidence. So there are some things that discovery deadlines, you blow it, meaning when I was in Georgia, discovery could only be served during a certain period of time. And once you're beyond that, you're done. And you can't even ask for leave to do that. So it's critical, right, that you follow these, you know, get within the timelines, be, do something very quickly so you can avail yourself of all the chances and opportunities to gather the evidence. Right, exactly. I mean, so there's, you know, the instance of neither side exchanges discovery, you're still in a, in a bad position because you have no idea what they're going to put into evidence. Um, you have no idea what they have against you. And you may not be able to prove your income, their income for the purpose of child support or alimony determinations. You also don't know what property they have in their possession. So if you do hire attorney down the line, they also can't really subpoena that information without knowing or who did they need a subpoena from. Um, and then also, you know, if you were sent discovery, like you were saying, Scott, and you missed the deadline, they can enter what's or they can file for a motion for sanctions. And sanctions can be anywhere from not allowing you to present evidence, dismissing your case, or even you having to pay her attorney's fees for not responding to discovery. Yeah, I can say with certainty, and it's hard to do anything with certainty in family law, that nothing good happens when you don't hire a lawyer, honestly. Uh, there may be a friend that you've had, guys listening right now, well, my friend, my buddy did it. Well, let me just tell you, he got lucky. And you know, it's like uh, tomorrow he'll get struck by lightning. But I mean, that's the point is that the odds are not with you. You're better off playing the lottery and winning the lottery than going at it yourself. And I, and I know that's self-serving, uh, but I've seen uh, the, you know, the negative effects of someone not you know, hiring a lawyer. And you, know, you hear the adage, you'd never, you know, commit or you never practice medicine on yourself. I get it. It's the same thing. But here's the point. When there's so much at stake, you know, everything you've worked for, your pensions, your retirement, your property, the home you may have built, you know, the things, why would you even bother risking it? And I know it's a lot of money, but have that conversation. Uh, give an attorney a call and say, look, one, what can we do? You know, what's this going to cost me? Let's take this in phases. And let's make it something affordable or work with family members, you know, beg, borrow, get the money, whatever it takes. Uh, at least then you'll have a shot at uh, getting what you want uh, out of that uh, divorce. But preparation, you know, knowing what to expect, that's got to be key. You know, someone who comes in on their own doesn't know what the, what's going to happen at a settlement conference, doesn't know what's going to happen at a pretrial, uh, a temporary motion, an order of protection or a trial, right? They, they're just not experienced enough to know what to expect. Right, and I'm glad you brought that up because uh, in our jurisdiction, usually it's like it's a scheduling conference and a pretrial conference, and then it's trial. Scheduling conference, pretrial conferences are not, you know, adversarial. They don't require evidence. So people may think after having those two, oh, well, I was able to handle those two. Trial must be, you know, just the same. What in fact, it's not. It's you know, presenting hard evidence to court and making your case. And like you said, in preparation, that's a big thing. Making sure you know, how to say what you're supposed to say. You know, when people are representing themselves, a lot of times the judge just lets them talk and say their piece and there's no structure to it. They don't know what to say. They don't know how to say it. They don't know what to put into evidence. Um, and unfortunately with family law cases, a lot of it comes down to, you know, your word versus her word. And so you need to make sure you come off as credible. That's something that 
attorney can help you with and, and also structuring and asking you questions to make sure your testimony highlights where it's supposed to be highlighting and you know minimizing the negative. Judges get frustrated with pro se litigants and, and, and that's the last thing you want is a judge to get frustrated with you not knowing the system, not knowing the rules, not knowing the procedure because representing guys is about you know appearance, preparation, presentation, uh, putting yourself in the best light possible. But I, can, I, I know from experience that judges, they hate it because they know it's gonna be, they have to somehow get involved and school someone on the procedure. Then they get frustrated and lo and behold, you're gonna get a, a ruling that may be not according in, in consistent with the law, but it's because they don't like you. And right. because now you've irritated them because judges are derailed by emotion. They are, they are your jury. Uh, you know, when I was a prosecutor many, many years ago, um, I loved it when I had a criminal defendant who decided to be pro se. You know, judges, you know, consistently try to talk them out of it. But I did jury trials and I'm like, it's home run for me. They have no idea. They irritated the jury. The jury looked at them and thought, you are wasting my time. I'm getting, you know, $10 a day, you know, and you are wasting my time. So, you know, let me talk about the high stakes. I mean, really, that's, that's the point is that if you really sit back and you think, what is at risk here? Would you be willing to gamble? Uh, I'll give you an example. When you talk about the high stakes here in a minute, that just came to mind. Let's say we sit down at, at Texas Hold'em, and we're going to play a game mm -hmm. of poker. But you're going to tell the dealer, you know what? This round, I'm going to do it with a blindfold. And let's just see what happens. Dumb. But I'm going right. all 